Emily and Brandy, will you come up here? Where's Brandy? Emily and Brandy. Y'all didn't know I was going to do this. I said something about Brandy last week at the 9 o'clock. Come on up here, ladies. Um, <laughs> uh, it is the end of October. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I just want to tell you all publicly that without these two pastors, I would have been lost these first few months in this church. I am still leaning on them heavily. Yes, I'm sure, I'm sure that you can feel it. I, I'm sure that you can. But I just want to say I appreciate you all so much. And uh, you, are, you are a great, great asset to this congregation. And we love you. Thank you. So, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Love you all. Let's pray. Lord, what a privilege it is to be in this place at the end of October as the cool air has come in, as the Astros have won last night. We are a grateful people. Just to, just to be able to worship you freely. I mean, what, a, what, a, what an honor. What a privilege. And we, we take it for granted. You know, we take it for granted, Lord. We, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sometimes it's easier just to skip church and to sleep in. But we don't think about those places uh, where it's illegal to come together and worship. And here we are uh, proclaiming it out loud. Uh, playing music um, and 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 doing it without fear of of any kind of retribution, you know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this country. Thank you for this place. Thank you for our freedoms. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being present in this place as we come to gather, Lord. We are not worthy of your presence, but yet you are with us in all times, all places, all ways. There's no place that we can go that you are not already there. And so we want to live our lives in ways that honor that presence, that gift of your presence. This morning, as we come, we want to worship you in spirit and truth. We don't want anything to keep us from giving you what you deserve this morning. And also from hearing what you have to say to us this morning, because we believe you are speaking even as we sing songs, even as we read the scriptures, as I preach a sermon this morning, we are listening for your voice. We don't want anything to hinder that. So we ask you to, to forgive us because, Lord, we have done some stuff this week. We have left some stuff undone. Uh, we have not cared for the people that you have asked us to care for, and, and they have fallen through the cracks. And, and we see in your scriptures that you are deeply concerned about, especially about the people who fall through the cracks. We, we want to be people who recognize them and lift them up. We, like Solomon, we want to administer justice rightly. And so forgive us, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. We pray that we wouldn't stop there. But like we said about King David last week, that we would take it a step further and, and, and seek to repair the damage that we have done to speak out boldly about places where we have been negligent, to say sorry where we need to say sorry to the folks we need to say it to. Lord, strengthen us for that task. We also come to this place with uh, burdens on our hearts because friends and family, people that we care deeply about are in need of a touch from you. 
And so we want to call out their names to you this morning. We just want to say them out loud and leave them at the foot of the cross so that we can worship freely. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers as we say those names aloud. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 We lift all the families that will come through our pumpkin patch tomorrow night for Halloween. As they come in, we pray that they would sense something different about this place and that they would want to know more. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy. Wesley, St. James, and Titus Chapel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 For the election of new bishops in the United Methodist Church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the election period. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, I'm grateful that even as multiple names are called out at one time, you hear each and every one of those. Even if it, even if it sounds confusing in here to us, you hear it all. We pray for the folks that are watching us and gather on Facebook this morning. We lift up all the unspoken requests. We thank you that Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. And that at this very moment, the Spirit is whispering names and situations that need a a firm hand, that need a healing, touching hand from you. Lord, as we worship you this morning, as we sing more songs, may you be glorified. May you be honored. May you be praised. This is the only sacrifice that we can bring humble hearts and the sacrifice of praise. We know it's not enough, but this is what we have to offer you. And we pray that you would accept it this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's the children's time. Right, I know we got a couple more today. I have some special helpers today. Come on in, come on in, guys. How's it going, Zeb? Hello, hello. Good job. Hey, Judah. Good soccer game today. Okay, well, next time, next time. <laughs> All right, guys, so we have this cool little jack-o'-lantern here, right? Kaylee, thank you for holding it up for me. Okay, so last week, 
um, Pastor Jimmy talked to you guys during children's time about how God takes out all the mushy, gushy sin in our lives to clean us up and give us a happy new face, right? Well, today, I wanted to ask you, what's missing from my jack-o'-lantern here? A light. A light. A light. So today, we're going to talk about the light that God gives us. So let's go ahead and open it up. Okay, tell me something. Step back a little bit. Can you tell that that light's from way back there? Can you tell it's all lit up? It's kind of hard to see. Okay, so I have a story for you. So when God gives us a new light in our hearts or new wisdom in our brains, right? I know, it's very exciting. We're very crowded around the pumpkin today. Um, when God gives us new wisdom in our brains, did you know that we are meant to go and show that light and that love and that wisdom to the world? So God gives us love. God gives us God's Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can shine out like our jack-o'-lantern. But if we stay in the light places of the world, like in our church, then no one ever sees that light, right? What about if I put this on my porch tonight with that light on? Will people be able to see the bright light shining out? Yeah. So when you see a jack-o'-lantern, I want you to remember that you have a mission in the world, okay? God gives us a mission, and that's to take that light that God gives us and go and share it with the world in the dark places. Because sometimes there's dark and scary and sad places in the world. But when we go and we take God's light and God's love and God's wisdom with us, we can make a difference, right? We can be that light in the darkness, showing God's love. Pretty cool, huh? You think you'll remember that when you see a jack-o'-lantern? Very cool, very cool. All right, guys, will you guys pray with me today? All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for cleaning out our mushy-gushy sin and giving us new light inside that we can go and share with the world. Help us to be brave and shine our light in the dark places. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, you can head to Children's Church or back to sit with your family. Did we just say mushy-gushy in a prayer? We did. We did. Well, our text this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible today. I believe we have that translation for our screens. We're going to start in verse 4 and read to 15. Listen now for a word from the Lord. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was the most famous high place. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, Ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, you have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people you have chosen, a people too many to be numbered or counted. 
So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, Because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he held a feast for all his servants. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may your word be proclaimed through me or perhaps in spite of me this morning. Amen and amen. So last week we sat with King David and we saw the messes that David made and we saw how he composed this beautiful prayer that we call Psalm 51 in the wake of the mess that he created. And in this psalm he made sure that he secured his own forgiveness from God but then he failed to make things right for the rest of the folks that he wronged. In that psalm He prayed something that was kind of special and unique. He asked God for a pure heart or a clean heart, a heart that would have a bent towards obedience to God is the way that I interpret that request. This week, we're sitting with his son Solomon, the child of Bathsheba. Yes, that Bathsheba. This was another child that was born down the road, and she made sure that Solomon got the throne even though David had older sons and this week we are sitting with Solomon as he has ascended the throne after his father's death and he too composes a prayer and in this prayer he asks for a hearing heart or a listening heart one that would be receptive toward hearing a word from God so that he might govern God's people Well, both prayers, I think, are beautiful. Both prayers recognize the need for something to change within the human heart. The human heart is lacking in some way, and both men recognize that, although they ask for different things. Both in prayer. Prayer. Prayer is this mysterious thing. What is a prayer? How many people pray? You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want to. Prayers are mysterious things, you know. Several years ago, there was a book that came out called The Prayer of Jabaz. Anybody read that? Some of you are shaking your head yes. It was this, this author uh, wrote this neat little, it was a tiny book. It wasn't very big. Uh, and, and he claimed to kind of have stumbled upon this prayer formula in the Old Testament, this guy named Jabaz that asked that his territories might be increased, I believe. It's been a long time since I've read the book. And God gave him exactly what he asked for. And the author was saying, you know, there's something unique in this formula here. And and perhaps if you were to 
uh, pray prayers in similar fashions, God would respond the same way that God responded to Jabez. And I wonder if that's true. Like, can God really be packaged so neatly in a box so that if we pray the right things, God is obligated to move on our behalf? I don't think so. I don't think it quite works like that. But there are models of prayer that have come up over the centuries that people have found helpful, especially when you are struggling with knowing how to pray. I mean, heck, the disciples even went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray like John's disciples have taught, taught him. I was thinking about the different types of prayers that we've come up with. Prayers of confession. We just confessed a little bit ago, kind of laying out everything before God, cleanse us and, and keep anything that would keep us apart, remove anything that would keep us apart. We have prayers of illumination. Before we read the scriptures, we pray for open hearts and minds to receive. There are liturgical prayers. There are prayers of the people, which we just did. Lord, in, our, in your mercy, hear our prayer. There are pastoral prayers. There is the Lord's Prayer. These are, these are models of prayer that have been used over the centuries. The people have said, I find this helpful. It's helpful to have this model and to use this when thinking about how I want to pray and what I want to say to God. One of those oldest uh, models for prayer is this thing called a collect. You ever heard of a collect? It looks just like collect, but it's pronounced collect. Now, a collect is a simple uh, prayer that can be uh, put into five movements. In fact, I think we've got a, a slide here. So movement number one in a collect begins with an address. The prayer begins by naming the God of our worship, most often the person of God, the Father. You address God. The second movement is to acknowledge God in some form or fashion. The quality or characteristic of God is mentioned upon which the prayer request is based. I'm about to ask for something, but let me remind you of who you are before I ask, okay? Number three, it's the ask. You ask for a specific thing that you need. Guidance, forgiveness, faith, whatever it is. Fourth movement aspiration. This is the result that we hope will come out of the granting of the petition itself. And then the fifth is the amen. Five A's. Address, what, what were they? Address, acknowledge, ask, aspiration, amen. Now let me show you just an example of a collect in working order. Okay, so go to the next slide for me. Go to the next one. This is a prayer for folks that are unemployed, a collect written for folks that are unemployed, okay? It begins, gracious Father. We say gracious because, God, you are gracious. We're about to ask you for something that involves grace. Gracious Father. Number two, acknowledgement. You know how to give good gifts to your children and provide for all our needs. It's a true statement. God already knows that, but we're saying it anyway. Number three, here comes the ask. We ask that you would comfort and strengthen all in our fellowship who are without employment and keep their families in your tender care. Here's the aspiration. Why? That they might know your loving faithfulness and see your hand of guidance in all their seasons of life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Very simple prayer formula. But it's one that if you have those five A's, those five movements in your back pocket, like you could pull that out and compose a prayer 
pretty quickly. Simple, basic. People have found this helpful. I'm reading through the text this week. I'm studying Solomon, this thing that we've, we've all read, this, you know, Solomon asking for wisdom and getting wisdom and becoming the wisest man on the planet. You know, and I'm reading through this thing and I realize in his dream, Solomon has prayed a collect. Look at this. I plugged the prayer into the formula. Let's see if it works. Address, Lord my God, you have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David. And now you have made your servant king in my father, David's place. Okay, you got the first two? God, Lord my God, this is what you have done. Now the ask, give your servant a receptive heart. Why? So that I might judge your people and to discern between good and evil. Now, he doesn't give a formal amen, but this is how he wraps up the prayer. For who the heck is able to judge this great people of yours? Amen. Look at that. It's a collect. Solomon, in his dream, prayed a collect. And God tells us that, he, uh, the, the scriptures tell us that God was so pleased with this request that he gave Solomon what he asked for. And I wonder what part of that prayer exactly pleased God. What was it that made God so proud that he said, I'm going to answer this request? Is it that he asked for this humble thing, a receptive heart rather than fame or fortune or the death of his enemies or for long life? Perhaps, perhaps. But I think it actually lies in the fourth movement. Verses 11 and 12, God says, Because you've asked for discernment for yourself, so that you might administer justice, I will do what you have asked. It's the fourth part of that prayer. Because you've asked for this thing to do this thing, I'm going to give you what you asked for. What was important to God was that Solomon deeply desired to administer justice to God's people which we know from the scriptures is extremely important to God, right? The prophets tell us over and over to care for the orphan and the widow and the poor and the resident alien. And the prophets get on to them when they begin to let these people fall through the cracks. They remind them this is extremely important to God. And that's why I think it's the fourth part of this prayer that actually caught God's attention. You want a receptive heart, Solomon? Why? Why do you want a receptive heart? Is it a worthy request? Is it something that matters to me, God? Do the ends justify the means? And it appears that administering justice to God's people deeply matters to God. It's kind of interesting because even though Solomon asks for a receptive heart, a hearing heart, a listening heart, one that can hear right from wrong so that he might know how to judge the people fairly, the text tells us that God responds by giving him a wise and perceptive heart. He asks for a receptive heart, one that can receive, but he gets a wise and perceiving heart, a heart that can discern rightly. And of course, Solomon becomes famous for his wisdom. Right? Solomon is so wise, his 
brilliant judicial decisions. There's a story right after this of this story in which he uses his newfound wisdom to come up with a solution. He, he, he draws the attention of kings and queens from other nations who journey to meet him and just listen to him for a bit. Solomon is known for his wisdom. And then later, of course, Solomon is attributed with writing books like Proverbs or portions of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, the wisdom of Solomon. And as Solomon kind of sits with this divine wisdom that he's been given, as he's writing out his experiences with wisdom, he says things like this. Wisdom is the one who was with God in the beginning and through which God created everything. He says, wisdom is the mirror image of the invisible God and a radiant light against which the darkness cannot prevail. He says, wisdom enters into the human soul and makes us friends of God. Does that sound like anyone that you know? Maybe Jesus? Because the New Testament writers said the same things about Jesus. Little did he know, but in receiving a wise heart, I think Solomon actually received nothing short of the pre-incarnate Christ, a foreshadowing of what was to come and what would be available for all people who ask. Because God knew that Solomon could not lead his precious people without the mediating help of divine wisdom. And I wonder if really God is always ready and willing to give divine wisdom to anyone who asks for it. The collect is just a tool. There is no magic formula. There is no right way to pray a prayer to get God to move. But I got to tell you my experience this week because it freaked me out a little bit. On Wednesday night, I told my study group, I still have no idea what I'm going to write for my sermon. I don't know what I'm going to say. Thursday, I got up and I'm wrestling with this text and I'm reading it over and over and over, literally all day, comparing translations and looking at the Hebrew and just like wrestling with this text. And it was later in the day, toward the end of the day, that I realized that this was a collect. I, I, I recognized that. And so I went, I had to take a break. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe go to get a soda or something. Walking out to the car, and I, I just felt like, just pray a collect, you stupid. Just like, pray a collect. So I sat in my car, and I paused, and I said, Oh, Lord, my God, you have never failed to speak a word to me in the past. Give me a listening heart and mind that I might deliver to your people the word you would have them hear. Through Christ I pray, amen. And I swear to you almost immediately, it came to me, teach them the collect. Teach them this prayer formula. Duh, okay. Okay, God, I can do that. Now, did the collect move God to act on my behalf? Or did the collect free me to receive what God wanted to give me all along? That's the mystery of prayer, right? That's the mystery. But there is benefit in thinking through what you want to say to God and how you want to say it. 
there is deep benefit in examining your own desires and your hopes and considering what part God might have you play in this thing that you're asking for. My Thursday night group pointed that out. I love my groups. Not just praying that God would move in some mighty way, but asking, how am I to be a part of this thing that I'm asking? How might I be a vehicle for you to answer this prayer that I'm laying before you? Asking for a result that both matters to God and making yourself available to bring it about. And if you find that you need to pray and you're struggling in knowing what to say, don't fret. Even our crudest and most rudimentary prayers, God is able to work through them and to use them and to move us and to change us to be the people we need to be to bring that about. Beautiful prayers are not the solution, right? And I love the fact that Paul tells us in Romans 8 that even when we are at a loss for words, for whatever reason, we don't even know what to say, that both the second and third persons of the Trinity, Jesus and the Spirit, both intercede on our behalf and fill in the blanks of what we cannot say, whispering in the Father's ear, this is what He wants to say. This is what she's trying to say, God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I need to know that because there are times that I don't know what to pray. Times that I'm too upset or I don't even know that I need to stop and pray because it just God can't get into my head. You need to stop and pray. <laughs> Folks, prayer is a mysterious thing. But I think that this is a, a, an ancient an ancient practice that the people of God have been practicing forever. It's worth taking the time to think through and to to say some meaningful things to God. I think it's worth it. And whatever kind of heart that you need, whether it is a pure heart or a receptive heart or a wise heart or a perceptive heart, may God give you the heart that you need to be one who prays authentically and becomes the very vehicle through which God does wonderful and mighty things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you grab the hand of the person next to you? Before I give you your blessing today, I want to invite you to come back next week because we are going to have some good old-fashioned baptisms. Right here in the sanctuary, okay? We're going to break out the tub. We're going to have some babies. We're going to have some adults. It's going to be awesome. If you have never been baptized or made a public declaration of faith and you would like to get in on this action, it's All Saints, by the way, too, so what a great Sunday to do it. Call me. Come by and see me, okay? We would love to include you in what's going to happen next week. With that, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are completely loved. You are completely forgiven. And you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do, folks, you're going to make some mistakes. But I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in His amazing grace. And it is by grace that He says, Beloved, I love you just where you are. 
but I love you too much to leave you there. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.